Psalm 133, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. Look at what God's Word said. Behold, let me hear you say, Behold. Behold. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, let me hear you say there. There. There, uh, the Lord commanded the blessing. Not, not there the geographical location. But there, the spiritual location of unity. It was there at that place. I'm talking about as we read it for us today. There at that place of unity, that place of anointing, that place of refreshing. There, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Can you say amen? amen? I want to talk to you just for a few minutes. If you give me about 15, 20 minutes, I want to talk to you. Um, from the subject, your blessing is on the way. Your blessing is on the way. God had to stir up in me an expectation for the things that he wanted to do in my life, in my ministry, and in my family. And I had to come to a point where I realized that all of those blessings that you hear pastors and teachers talk about from the word of God, that these are real promises and that these are real expectations and hopes that the people of God can have. The Bible tells us that if we would but read in the book of Romans where he says that the trying of your faith worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed. In other words, those things that you are expecting, those things that you are looking for, uh, that they will not let you down when they are connected to true biblical faith. What is true biblical faith? I'm glad you asked. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so therefore, if we're going to see God do something in our life, we have to believe it in order to see it. Did you hear what I said? And that's the other way around from the way the world does it, because the world, they're not going to believe it until they see it. But I stopped by to tell Zion this afternoon, you're not going to see it until you believe it. And let me tell you that there is always a gauge, there is always a thermostat, if you will, uh, to show you how much you really believe what you say you believe. Well, what is that thermostat? Y'all got some good questions this afternoon. Uh, that thermostat is, the Bible said, that faith standing alone is dead. And so, therefore, faith must be accompanied by works. Because faith without works is dead. So let's go back over it real quick to make sure that you got it. There's some stuff you ought to be expecting and looking for from God. And if you don't have any hopes, if you don't have any expectations, then I know that you are a man or woman most miserable. Because I need you to understand that God did not send his son on a nine-month train ride through the womb of Mary. He didn't send him into the lower parts of the earth to be despised and rejected and to be bruised and to be beaten. He didn't send him to the cross to die to suffer for 12 long hours on your behalf and mine. He didn't send it into the pits of hell uh, to take captive all of those spirits uh, that were disobedient and to free those that were in faith. He didn't raise him on the third day and declare that all power was in his hand. He didn't raise him back up to heaven and sit him on the right side just so you could live a lousy and miserable life. There is something that God has in store for you. There is blessings that God wants you to have but you will never see them if you don't have no faith and your faith is going to always be revealed by how you walk it out touch your neighbor and say walk it out walk it out 
walk it out. I know you heard your kids or your grandchildren singing that. Yeah, walk it out. That's what the child of God has to understand. And we say that we have faith. It's not enough for us to sit on the stool of do nothing while we're twiddling a stick of do less. Our faith has to be exercised in how we walk it out. In other words, if you got real faith, real faith says that I begin to live like he's done it even though I don't see it yet. Hallelujah. That means that Zion has to even now begin to act like a mega church. You didn't hear what I said. Not because of who you are, but because you serve a mega God. And when I say mega church, don't get me wrong, see, because they throw that, that word around in Christendom, modern Christendom. And when we say mega church, we think of numbers and hundreds and thousands of people. When I talk about mega church, I ain't thinking about numbers. I'm thinking about ministry. I'm thinking about the fruit that we're going to bear. Because the Bible says that God will prune branches so that they bear much fruit. And if you don't start walking like you believe it, you'll never see it come to pass. Y'all still sizing me up because I can't get some of y'all to even smile at me, I tell you. I tell you. You know what? It's a shame, Pastor Duran, that we can go every place else and have a good time. And then come to the house of God and can't even smile at the preacher. That's all right. I got some of y'all cousins at my church, too. But if there's any place we ought to be able to have joy, amen, in the house of the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, would you smile a little bit, please? Would you? Ain't no sense in coming in God's house. Look like you've been sucking on sour lemons all morning. Hallelujah. I just threw that in for free while I was passing by. But, but we got to walk it out. If we, if we have faith, we have to walk it out. We have to begin to act like we know what we expect has come to pass. Where'd you get that from? Now faith is the substance, it's the substratum, if you will, of things hoped for. Watch this. But it's the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's producing results from something that has not come to pass yet. So if I want the church to grow, if I want to see God do wonders among us, I begin to walk like he's already doing it. Alright, y'all not getting it. If you want to walk on water, guess what you got to do? Walk on water. Y'all listening. Some of us been telling God, I want to walk on water. He says, okay, start walking. It's almost like we want the blessing before the faith. And it doesn't happen like that. If you would exhibit the faith, he said, you'll look back and see you got the blessing right in the midst of walking it out. What are you talking about, Pastor? Because you haven't got to your text yet. I know. I'm getting there. One of the things that you have to understand, the reason why the word of God does not produce the results in the church that it should produce is because we don't have enough people that through the word of faith, the, the act of faith, that will latch on to the word and begin to walk it out. What are you saying? Because I can preach Psalm 133 right now and I can break it down and give you the syntax and I can give you the Hebrew and I can give you uh, uh, all of that stuff and I can make it sound real good from an oratory standpoint. But if you don't have the faith to connect with what I'm saying and if you don't internalize this thing for yourself and if you don't wake up tomorrow morning and say what he said on yesterday, God make me that today, then guess what? What we read in the scripture will never never become real for us and so faith even now has to make you reach out and say not who should have heard that who should have been here this afternoon who should have got that word but God what are you saying to me how are you speaking to me how do you want to use me to be a blessing in the Zion Baptist Church in your faith if you connect even right now, it will cause you to look at Psalm 133. And the first thing your faith will do is snatch your mind and say, behold. Right. Touch your neighbor and say, behold. behold. 
whenever you see the word behold in the scripture it's telling you that there's an element of surprise there there's something that is about the ship there's about to be something that you need to look listen and pay attention to and some of y'all can't hardly do it because them greens and chicken or whatever y'all had must be getting to you about now uh, but but uh, touch your neighbor and say behold Behold, there is something that the Zion church has to grasp. There is something that you need to consider. There is something that you need to think about. What is it that you need to think about? You need to think about how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. And I don't know if you know it or not, unity might not be what you thought it was. Unity is not just showing up on Sunday and singing and praying together. Unity is not just coming to Bible study and studying the word together. Unity is not even showing up and being on the chicken frying committee together. I need you to understand that unity might encompass that, but it is not the totality of unity. Unity is when individuals can assess the gifts, the abilities, and the resources that they have been given of God and find out how to work that together in, in conjunction with other gifts and abilities and resources of those he, who he has placed me in the same family with those people. How can we even begin to be unified if I don't even know what I'm working with? I'm going to have y'all keep talking to each other because y'all slipping further and further away. So touch your neighbor and say neighbor. Say neighbor, show me what you're working with. Oh, uh, y'all still not getting it. Touch somebody on the other side and say neighbor. Neighbor, show me what you're working with. Because how are we going to be unified and I don't know what you're working with. You don't know what I'm working with. So how in the world are we going to work it together and we don't even know what we're working with. Can I drop this on you? You can take it any way you want to. Two of the same thing can't never produce fruit. Somebody said, say it again. I'll say it again. Two of the same thing can never produce fruit. In order for fruit to be produced, something that's different has to connect with something else that's different. And then two different things work together. <laughs> so we wonder why our churches don't grow. We wonder why, why, why uh, we stay stagnant or it seems that we stay complacent. It's because many times we sit among each other who we the same thing. And because we haven't learned how we both supplement and complement one another, we don't know how to work together to get things done. If you've ever worked in the kitchen before, you know it takes unity to get that thing done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because everybody can't cook, amen. And so you got to understand your differences, praise God. If you can't cook, that don't mean that you ain't needed. That just means go set the table or something. Don't be trying to mess with the greens and you don't know what you're doing. Do I got a real church up in here? We got to understand how we complement one another. I know how we work together and it takes us understanding our differences so that we can watch this because if God wanted the same thing out of you that he wanted out of me he wouldn't have gave us different gifts and abilities touch your neighbor and say behold behold we gotta work together in unity look at how he uses uh, these two words how, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity the Hebrew words for together and unity are the same word so in essence, what he's saying is, if we were to transliterate that into our English, he said how good and how pleasant it is when you not only get together, but you get it together. Is anybody in here with me? He doesn't want you to just dwell together. He wants you to be together. He wants you to operate as what he would say, a body. And that's why it's not by accident that in the second verse, he talks about how the anointing flows. 
He talked about it flowing on Aaron's body and look at where it started at the head. And we do know that the head of the church is Christ. Amen. Y'all agree with that? That he is the head of all things to the church. And so the anointing starts with Christ. But I stop by to tell you, there is a head of the local body. And the head of the local body is the man of God. And that's why this man has to study the word. This man has to get in prayer. This man has to press his way into the face of God so that the anointing of God can rest on his life. And he doesn't need to do that and then come before people sitting there looking at him talking about who he think he is. Y'all ain't hearing me. Pastor Dorn, have you ever wondered why you can preach a sermon and there are some folk that'll leave and they just on fire? That was an awesome word. Thank you, Pastor. And then there's some folk that leave just as cantankerous as they were when they came. Just as bitter as they were when they came because some folk understand how the anointing flows. And when you want to be a lone ranger and do your own thing, can't nobody tell you nothing. And the pastor, just another man, he put his pants on just like I do. And I pull up my bootstraps just like he do. Then touch your neighbor and say, don't worry about the blessing. Don't worry about the blessing. Because the anointing flows from the head down to the skirts of the God. Why are you talking about this? Because you can't worry about none getting on you if you disconnected. Did you hear what I said? If you are disconnected, then you don't have to worry about the anointing of God's blessing getting on you. Because it only flows to the connected parts. That's why there's some folk that show up every week. They hear the announcements just like everybody else and still don't never know what's going on. I know I'm reading y'all. I told you y'all cousins go to my church. I'm... Some folk will sit right there and hear the announcement. Still don't know what's going on. But can I tell you, that's a spiritual problem. That, that is not that they just didn't hear, that they weren't paying attention. You are dealing with somebody who is disconnected. Ain't it funny how we don't miss what we want? Oh, somebody, we, we make sure we paying attention. Touch your neighbor and say, behold. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Watch this. How good it is. What does he mean how good it is? It's suited to promote happiness. The reason why we have so much heartache and so much heartbreak in the church is because our disunity, uh, uh, it, it, it does not produce an atmosphere where folk can be happy. When he says how good it is, he said that unity, it will produce happiness. It will produce joy. It will produce a zeal, a, fur, a fire burning in your spirit. If you don't believe it, just go to somebody's house you don't like. See how much fun you have while you're there. I mean, it could be all kind of things. They be playing spades, they be playing domino, be having a good time with and laughing and joking. Let two or three people be there that you can't hardly stand. Your disconnection will prove to be weary for you. And so it is when it comes to the church. Y'all, when we are not connected to one another, we bring burden and misery and weariness to the body of Christ. And I don't mean no harm, but some of y'all keep coming together, but you ain't never got it together. And I don't mean no harm. Can I, can I preach like I'm at home? I, I, I want to tell you something about Jonah because, uh, you know, Jonah was on his way somewhere. He was on a mission from God, uh, but Jonah was trying to run from God. He was trying to resist and rebel against God. Uh-huh. But Jonah got himself out on that boat, and the Bible said that the waves begin to toss, and the winds begin to blow. And this must have been a storm like they had never seen before because even the fishermen, the experienced sailors, saying God must be against us. They said everybody stop. Start praying to whatever God you believe in because something is terribly wrong here. And then finally somebody said, let's ask Jonah. Let's ask that man over there where he came from and what's going on with him. They went and asked Jonah. Jonah finally confessed he was a preacher and he was trying to run from God. And they said, one of two things going to have to happen. 
So one two things going to have to happen, Jonah. Either you're going to have to get off this boat, or you're going to have to get off this boat. Because if there's something, Jonah, that you need to understand, that if you stay on the boat, all of us going to die. But if you get off the boat, all of us will live. Y'all miss that. If he got off the boat, even Jonah would have lived. The death was staying on the boat. And so Jonah understood that, but this is the preaching point. They had to throw him off the boat. Y'all, y'all didn't hear me. I said they had to throw him off the boat. I know I'm in dangerous territory right now, but y'all gave me permission to preach like I was at home, so I'm going to do it anyhow. I said they had to throw him off the boat. And I want to talk to some Jonas in Zion Church today. I want to talk to some folk that you know you don't want to work with nobody else. You know you bitter. You know you angry. You know you got an attitude. You know you ain't going to do what they ask you to do. If that's your attitude, why wait for somebody to throw you off? Would you touch somebody and tell them, get hot? Look, look at somebody and say, get hot, get cold, or get out. Am I doing all right, Pastor? Why we got to wait for folk to push us out? You know you, and watch this, Jonah had to understand something. He was causing an unnecessary storm for everybody else. Now I don't talk to those that are Jonas in the house. I'm going to remind you again if you just missed it. If you know you ain't going to do what needs to be done to bring this church together. And I'm not, that's not to say that you haven't accomplished great things and you're not doing great things. I just came by to tell you God is getting ready to elevate you to another level. And when God gets ready to elevate you to another level, you can't always take everything with you. All right, y'all don't like when I talk Bible, so let me talk astro. Uh, uh, let, let me talk uh, uh, some aeronautics and uh, space and, and and all that stuff. You know, folks don't get scared when you preach the Bible. So let, let's go science on you. Watch this. Uh, when a space shuttle gets ready to take off, a space shuttle has different compartments on it. Uh huh. And while it's sitting on the ground, uh, they they call them stages, if you will. And when it's sitting on the ground, the stage one ignites. And it gives it a thrust to where it goes up so far, uh, maybe some 28 to 35 uh, 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 miles or so uh, into the air, and it gets it up to a certain speed. But once it gets so high, stage one falls off into the ocean. And then stage two ignites. But I need you to understand, if stage one doesn't fall off, stage two can't ignite. Somebody see where I'm going with this thing. But when stage one falls off, stage two ignites, and it thrusts it a little faster and a little bit farther. Uh-huh, but even stage two can only get it so far. And then stage two falls off. And then stage three, which is the shuttle itself, it then ignites and it takes it out into space. And when it gets into space, the only thing that is there is the one unit that has no disconnecting parts. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Everything that falls off is something that can disconnect. But when it finally gets in space, it is one unit. All right, y'all didn't get it. So let me make this thing plain. 130 years ago, God ignited something in somebody's house to make Zion Church what it is. But I stopped by to tell you what ignited in that house can only get you so high and it can only get you so far. Touch your neighbor and say that some stuff had to fall off. And watch this. After that fell off, stage two could ignite. And I want to tell you today that you are still operating at stage two. Mm. 
You're still operating at stage two. You haven't broke the atmosphere yet. You haven't went into the realm that God wants you to operate in. And the reason why is because there's some still, some more stuff that got to drop off. All right? Y'all still not get it. Even if it ain't people that got to drop off, some of y'all attitudes got to drop off. Some of y'all mindsets got to drop off. Some of your habits got to drop off. In order for you to go to the next level, in order for you to see God and stop seeing God through the eyes of religion and stop seeing God through the eyes of tradition and stop seeing God through your own ideas of what Christianity is supposed to be and you surrender yourself and say, God, however you want to use me, whatever you want to do with me, it's all right with me. Just have your way. And I maintain that until the second stage falls off, stage three can't ignite. Because you still got people or mindsets that's connected to you that can easily be disconnected. Because when God gets ready to thrust you to the level that he wants you to, you got to be all one unit. That means wherever the head goes, the body follows. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Your, your head don't go one way and the body go another way. Come on now. And if you believe that God has set this man of God here as the shepherd and as the pastor and the visionary from this for this church, then he shouldn't have to have board meetings to decide what the church going to do. Oh, y'all getting scared now. Y'all getting scared now. Uh, I got a church to go to when I leave here, so I'll be all right. But 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 it would seem to me that he shouldn't have to convince folk and plead with folk and beg with folk to do what God has anointed him to do. Y'all got real quiet on me right there. I might need to stay there for a minute. Does that mean that he doesn't use a staff? Does that mean that he doesn't use a team of people to help him with ministry? No, but we have to understand that the anointing flows from the head down to the garment. And anything that got two heads is a freak. And sometimes we handicap the church because we don't allow God to flow the way he wants to flow. God didn't put this man here to take orders from you. He put this man here to lead you and to guide you and be the visionary for what God wants to do in this church. And I'm just going to take a pastoral uh, privilege and tell you the reason why some of y'all will never go to the next level is because you still don't know how to look at him as a man of God. You still see him as little Sam. Oh, y'all ain't going to like me when I'm done. But as long as he little Sam, as long as he that little boy that grew up in the church and running around the church, as long as he is to you in the flesh and you don't see him in the spirit of his anointing and his calling and his responsibility, this church will never go to the next level. How good, how pleasant it is. I might just need to do the invitation right there to discipleship or something because they got real quiet on me right there. I'll tell you. A crowd will give you an indication of when you done hit somebody. Because I maintain what's done split the church for a long time is opinions. Oh, my goodness. Ideas and now, and that's not to say that folk don't have good ideas, but we need to know not how the world operates, but how God operates. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Not only is it good, but the Bible said it's pleasant. Let me hear you say it's pleasant. The word pleasant means attractive, it means delightful, it means lovely, pleasant, attractive, lovely. How pleasant, attractive, delightful, and lovely it is when Christians dwell together in unity. 
Can I talk to some folk that you ain't been saved and sanctified and holy all your life? And you remember that you didn't choose your husband because he was a God-filled man. Come on, somebody. Is there some men in here that can be honest enough to say you didn't always chase after women because of how virtuous she was? But somebody can be honest enough to say that we just like what we saw. And, and to God be the glory, but 50 years later, we still hanging in there. But it didn't have nothing to do that we were so righteous and so holy. We just like what we saw. Attractive. And there's different things that attract people to different people. There are some people that's attracted to a certain color eye. Certain uh, uh, people are attracted to a certain skin tone or complexion. There are some people that are attracted to people with long hair. Some attracted to short hair. But watch this. You can be attracted to beautiful brown eyes all you want to. Take those eyes out the head and sit them by themselves and see how pretty they are. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me now. She got some beautiful legs. Take them legs off the body. <laughs> Sit them over in a corner and see how good looking them legs are. He got so many muscles. Cut them muscles out the body. And sit them alone in no while. Watch this. Now what used to attract you is no longer attractive because what made it attractive was the whole picture. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It was everything put together. And I don't mean no harm, but in the church, the reason why our worship and our ministry is not attractive to God is because we don't understand he looks at the whole picture and not one person. And whenever you want to shine, whenever you want to come disconnected, when you want to be yourself and be seen, you just turn God off. What attracts him is when I can connect to somebody else and their gifts and their ability and their resources. And now together, when we work them together, God said, now that looks good. You do know that the church is the bride of Christ, right? And I need you to understand that when he looks at his bride, he wants to stand back and say, mm, mm, mm. Would you look at the woman I got would you look at how fine she is and how virtuous she is? Not because of how much money you put in the offering plate. Not because of how your dress looks today. and Not because you got the suit and all the accessories to match. But you look good because you've humbled yourself. And you've connected to other members of the body. And together we're bringing God glory. How good and how pleasant it is when the church gets it together. When we start working together because we understand what God has given us. We understand what God has given each other. And we learn how to work those gifts together so that God can take us to another level. The question becomes, have you made yourself available? The question becomes, are you accessible? When you think about the men, let me drop this on you. I'm almost done. I know you can't hardly stand. Good preaching, but let me keep on moving. Uh, let, 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 me, let me tell you something about the man that the man that gave out the talents to uh, his people. There was one that he gave uh, uh, five talents to. There was another that he gave two talents to. There was another that he gave one talent to. If you don't remember that, then you don't pay attention in church too often because I know your pastor just preached that a little bit ago. Uh, I know probably more than some of your members know because uh, I listen to you. I I'm, just, I'm just saying some stuff while I'm passing by. Y'all don't get mad at me, but you can't kick me out the family. I'm still in the family. Uh, but, 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 but he preached about that. And one thing that I want to show you about those talents uh, uh, is those talents uh, were given to each individual. And, and the one that had the five, he doubled his. And the one that had the two, he doubled his. And the one that had the one, the Bible said, he went and hid it in the ground. And he covered it up with earth. Now, when the Lord came back, he said, what did you do with the stuff I gave you? The one with the five said, look, I doubled it. I gave five more. The one with the two said, I doubled it. Look, 
I gained two more. The one with the one said, you know what? I know you're a hard man and you gather where you haven't sown. And so I hid it in the earth and here's the one that you gave me. Now watch this. If you were to add up the gifts they were given, five, two, and one, that's eight all day long. And if you look at what they gained in return, uh, uh, which, which, uh, which would have been uh, seven more in return, if you go home and do the math, the economics would tell you that as a group they had an 83% return. Anybody ever invested before? That's a mighty good return. I ain't never seen nobody got 83% return. That's a mighty good return. But notice that Jesus did not speak to them as a group. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me. He didn't speak to them as a group. He didn't say, you know what, as a group, y'all gave me a return of 83%. I am so proud of all of y'all. I am so proud of the accomplishments that you made. Nobody spoke to each one individually. He looked at the one that gave the five and said, well done, thou faithful servant. He looked at the one that had the two and doubled it and said, well done, thou faithful servant. But he looked at the one with the one that, that hid it and said, you know what? What you've spoken is about to come on you. Because now you're getting ready to go into outer darkness where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I know over the last 130 years that God has blessed Zion to have some great returns. Some souls have been saved. The church has built new buildings. Money has been raised. Ministry has been done. But when Jesus looks you in your face and asks you what you did with the gifts and the abilities that he gave you, you are not going to be able to answer why as a group we gave an 83% return. He's going to say, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? And did you use that to work together for the glory of Almighty God? When brethren dwell together in unity, the anointing flows on that place. Not only that, but there is a spirit of refreshing. Because the Bible says in verse 2 and then in verse 3 that unity is like the oil. And I wish I had time, but, but some of y'all, uh, touch your neighbor and say, he just be a few more minutes. Touch him. And, 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 and some of y'all, I've been preaching for a minute, y'all still ain't smiled yet. I'm starting to wonder now. Still ain't smiled yet, huh? Lord have mercy. I can only imagine what Jesus dealt with when he called his crowd a group of vipers and snakes and stuff. <laughs> but, 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 but you got to understand that unity, he says, is like the oil which flowed off of Aaron's head down the beard to the very skirts of the garment. And then not only is it like that, but it's like the dew of Hermon that when the sun uh, graces across the mountain, it begins to melt. It begins to melt the snow and the, and the snow will drip down into the valley. And even in the valley, it's a very productive and it's a very uh, beautiful place because the dew of the mountain has come down to refresh the valley and when Zion begins to work together in unity and when we begin to take this unity to another level God says not only will I place an anointing upon this church to save souls and to minister to people but he said that those who've been in the valley those who've been downtrodden those who've been downcast those who've been living lives of discouragement. He says that the dew will begin to drip down and those will begin to see life spring forth out of them. I know you know some folk in your life that most of their life they done had a frown on their face. Kind of like those that had a frown on their face doing this sermon. Uh huh. But I stop by to tell you when the dew begins to fall even those who can't smile will begin to smile. Those that ain't had no joy will get joy. Those that didn't know Jesus will know Jesus would you touch your neighbor and say there say there the Lord commanded the blessing and I stop by to tell you that when Zion becomes unified it is there that the Lord is going to declare the blessing and pastor I'm not talking about blessings of houses and cars and more money and, 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 and promotion
oceans and raises. But look at what the blessing was. He said that he commanded life forevermore. If you won't value to last a hundred, another 130 years, I dare you to unify yourself. I dare you to get stuff together. And he said that life will be forevermore. Does anybody want to be blessed? I need you to understand that your unity is not just for the blessing of today, but your unity is for the blessing of tomorrow. Because there's another generation that God wants to raise up. There's some more people that God wants to use. There's some more things that God wants to do. But you'll never see that blessing of continuous life if the people of God don't get it together. Because wherever there is disconnection, there is death and destruction. Are you hearing me? That's what let your let your let your leg lose blood flow to it. Uh, let something happen to the vessels in your leg that blood can't get there no more. When it becomes disconnected from the nutrients and the sources of the body, I stop by to tell you that leg gonna die. That leg is going to look dead. And not only is it going to look dead, but it's going to act dead. Because when you're going to put some pressure on it, it ain't going to hold you up like it's supposed to. And some of you have become disconnected. And that's why when we go to put pressure on you, you can't stand under the pressure. That's why some of us look dead and our fruit is drying up and we're not seeing productivity the way God wants to because we become disconnected. But when we operate in unity, when we revere God, when we love God and when we obey them that have the rule over us and when we put aside attitudes and bitterness and stop backbiting and stop uh, being mad because our idea didn't get chosen and I'm not the one over the committee and I didn't get recognized and they didn't call my name. When you lay those things aside, then he said, there. The Lord commanded a blessing. Touch your neighbor and say, it's a sin and a shame for you to go to sleep and miss this. Even in the choir, praise God. Amen. It's a sin and a shame to miss this. Sin and a shame. I know this might be my last time being here, but I might as well preach it while I'm here. Amen. Uh, there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And I came to tell Zion that your faith has to connect to what I've said today, just like when I started. Because if your faith doesn't latch on to it, you'll keep doing what you've always done. And that ain't the worst part. You'll keep getting what you've always got. But if you want want to see more from God you got to do something that ain't never been done before if you want to go higher in God you got to go places you ain't never went before if you want to see God use you like he ain't never used you before make yourself available and say here I am Lord send me send me send me and Lord, start by changing my attitude. Start by changing my mindset. Start by reminding me that it ain't my church, but it's the Lord's church. And he ought to have his way in the church. Even if I don't agree with it. Even if I don't like it. Even if I don't approve with it. It's his church and he ought to have his way. Somebody ought to shout there. There the Lord commanded the blessing. When I laid my schedule aside and when I start finding out how I can minister to my brother and to my sister, when church no longer was a program, when it no longer was an event, but it was a way of life, there the Lord commanded the blessing. There. 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 Blessings of life forevermore can I tell you what blessings look like uh, some of y'all wouldn't know them if they smacked you in the face so let me tell you what a blessing looks like a blessing is not a new dress a blessing is not a new house a blessing ain't even a new car but a blessing is when you can do drugs half your life and you're still alive 
to tell somebody about it. A blessing is when your family was dysfunctional and out of control, but you still got your right mind. I'm talking about a real blessing. A blessing is when you lived in sin all your life, but he picked you up, he turned you around, and placed your feet. I'm talking about real blessing. I'm not talking about stuff and junk and things, but I want a blessing of anointing. I want a blessing of wisdom. I want the blessing of power. I want God's blessing. If you want God's blessing, give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to just say, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Allow my cup to overflow. Allow your anointing to pour down on me. Let goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And let me dwell in the house. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Give me greater revelation. Give me greater understanding. I don't want to just know what I've always known. But show me something I ain't never seen before. Bless me, Lord. Show me how I can preach your word and folk get saved. Show me how I can minister to the broken and they're able to get it together. Bless me, Lord. I'm trying to let it go, Sam. We live in a world that's conditioned us to want stuff. God wants people who want him. Bless me, Lord. My prayer is that God will bless Zion. That the days in front of you will be better than the days behind you. Zion, if you want to be blessed, just shout unto God. Say, bless me, Lord. Now watch this. Let's take a, a step of faith. Even in the framework of our language. Because you just said, bless me, Lord. But that's you. The individual, the eyes outside of the head, the legs without the rest of the body. Would you reach over and grab another Zion member? And I dare you to begin to shout, bless us, Lord. Oh, y'all didn't mean it. Y'all didn't mean it. See, you ought to shout, bless us, Lord, like you shouted, bless me, Lord. See, when it was bless me, Lord, there was a whole lot of zeal in it. There was a whole lot of volume in it. But see, when you have a spirit of unity, see, you want him to bless your sister just like you want him to bless you. You want him to bless your brother just like you want him to bless you. Shout, bless us, Lord. Unity will make you say stuff that don't even make sense. Unity will make you say stuff to God like, if you ain't going to exalt my sister, don't exalt me. Y'all ain't hear me. Unity will make you say stuff like, if you ain't going to bless my brother, don't bless me. Or let me go deeper. Bless me so I can bless my brother. Unity. Church, God not only wants you to come together, he wants you to get it together. He wants you to be together. And when you get it together, your blessing is on the way. And I stop by to tell you that the blessing is not a geographical location. But the blessing is in a spiritual condition. And that spiritual condition is unity. As I take my seat, I'll leave you with this. I know that you want the blessing. I know you want the church to grow. I know you want the church to prosper. And that's most of y'all. Amen. I know that's more because you wouldn't even be here if you didn't want Zion to prosper and you didn't want it to be blessed. But I need you to understand you could be holding up the blessing because you're not where God wants you to be. You're where you want to be, but not where God wants you to be. 
as I take my seat, I need you to understand. If you don't understand spiritual things, let's talk football real quick. And on football, on the football team, and, and part of what I'm getting ready to say is borrowed from a great teacher in my church that helped me to understand I got to get in the game. Because some of us still sitting on the sideline. And, and, and uh, we, we need to get in the game and be on the team. Amen. But on the team, watch this. There's a coach. There's a quarterback. And then there's your line and everybody else. Amen. The coach is the one that makes the plays. But the quarterback calls the plays. And the quarterback initiates the plays. And when he gets ready to pass the ball, he doesn't pass the ball to the running back wherever he goes. Y'all missed it. He throws the ball to where the running back... Some of y'all getting this thing. And I stopped by to tell you, on this team called Coach, on this team called Church, oh, we got a coach. It's called Jesus Christ. That's why he ain't, he ain't interested in your new plays and your revisions to the plays. And you want to make it work better. We already got somebody that make the plays. Y'all can agree with that, amen? But I stopped by to tell you, this is where you might get a little bit quiet on me. But the coach don't talk to the whole team. Y'all getting quiet on me. The coach don't call a huddle with the whole team. But every now and again, he'll call the quarterback over to the sideline and say, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to say. This is where I want you to go. And the quarterback... The quarterback has to call the play. And I'll stop by to tell you, that the ball don't get thrown to you just wherever you are. The ball is going to be thrown to where you're supposed to be. And when Zion lines up with where you're supposed to be, that ball called blessing will fall right into your hands. And if you don't see the ball coming, just stay right there. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. Mama, mama, mama. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you ready to receive your blessing? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Right now, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus as Lord, who have not confessed their sins and changed their lives and given it over to him. If you're not sure today, if you're to die today and spend eternity in heaven, the Bible says they that confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord who died on the cross and rose from the grave. They shall be saved. For you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. The word says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved.